Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. Our Sunday services have now moved online and you can tune in every week for worship, prayer and our weekly sermon by going to christchurchlondon.org forward slash church hyphen at hyphen home. We're now going to hear the talk from this week's Church at Home service. Today's reading is from Colossians 1, 15-23. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your own minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, you do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Hi everyone, my name is Catherine and I'm from the Sutton Service. I'm originally a North Londoner but moved to Carshalton four years ago when I had my son. I joined Christchurch during lockdown alongside my husband Femi and my two little humans, Jacob who's four and Eden who's two. I'm also a secondary school teacher so I should actually, so I'm actually on my summer holidays and I you know, should be chilling and relaxing. But Andy has kindly made the most of my time by getting me to open up this series in Colossians. So we're starting a new series in Colossians, which I'm really excited about and have been really enjoying studying. And it's been really interesting, actually, looking at the context of this letter. In short, Colossae was a a small church with a big problem. Firstly, the city of Colossae was probably one of the smallest and least important cities that Paul ever wrote to. And it's quite surprising, in fact, that Paul would turn his attention to such a small and um, obscure church, as it would seem, when he had so many other pressing and more significant concerns. Yet apparently he thought that the problem um, and the situation in Colossae was so important that it regarded and needed his attention. Now, this is a beautiful reminder that if you've ever felt small or insignificant, not as important as others, maybe not as flashy as Rome or as large as Ephesus or as as successful as Corinth, the letter of Colossae is a reminder that God still deeply cares about you. Maybe your walk with Jesus hasn't felt as significant as others, but God is interested. If he cares about the sparrows, how, he, he, how much more does he care about you? So this church had a big problem. False teachers were promoting what Paul hints at as um, a Colossian heresy. Now this was a message that wore the mask of Christianity, but in fact was fake. 
This Colossian heresy was um, a sort of hybrid belief system that involved Jewish legalism, Gnostic mysticism and religious aestheticism, a lot of isms. Now the Gnostics believed that Jesus was merely another emanation or another a creation, another angel almost, a created being. And aestheticism believed that you had to work really hard in order to be saved and you had to deny yourself of all worldly pleasures. Now these isms had begun to infiltrate the church and basically at the heart of it all was the fact that they did not believe Jesus was God. So what's the problem? What's the big deal? So what? Why was Paul so concerned about this danger of people not believing Jesus is God? Now for us as Christians it is essential that we believe Jesus is God because if he's not his death would not have been sufficient to pay the penalty for our sins. Now if I use this analogy in terms of sin, sin is a bit like debt. If I'm driving a car and end up smashing your fence to pieces, it would be great if you forgive me, but there's still the problem of the broken fence. Someone has to pay for that. And because we're all in debt to God, because we've all metaphorically broken the fence, then none of us have enough credit or enough, pow or enough power to pay the debt. We need somebody who's got some good credit, who's got credit, and a mere human isn't enough because every human is in debt to God. So we need God to come and pay our debt. This is what the cross is about. This is one of the reasons why Jesus being God matters so much. So for you and I, if we don't believe Jesus is God, it affects the very heart of our faith. Things like whether God can forgive us or whether Jesus has the power over death. The very core of our Christian faith would be shattered. How we see someone often dictates how we treat them. If we see Jesus, like the Colossian Christians did, as just another angel or another emanation of God, just a creation, then we lose out on all the benefits that come from faith in Jesus. Now, Jesus holds various titles and names in the Bible. And when we don't hold Jesus in his rightful place as God, we miss out on all the benefits that come from relationship with him. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. When we don't see Jesus as God, we miss out on supernatural peace. Jesus is called a deliverer. When you and I don't consider Jesus as God, then we miss out on divine protection. Jesus is called a good shepherd. When we don't see Jesus as God, we miss out on a relationship with a good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep and who cares for us. Now, this is a great illustration. This story is um, a great illustration of why we need Jesus. Years ago, there was a very wealthy man who along with his devoted son shared a passion for art collecting. Together they traveled the world adding only the finest art treasures to their collection. Priceless, priceless works by Picasso, Monet, Van Gogh and many others adorned the wall of the family estate. Amongst his collection was a precious painting of his son who was a soldier who had died during battle. Now, after the man's death, there was an auction and everyone came to get the rare paintings. 
but the first lot was the picture of the sun. No one wanted it. Everyone wanted the famous works of art. Finally, a friend of the old man who knew the boy bid a few dollars for the boy's picture. The auction ended and everyone was outraged. Why? The auctioner said, to the will of the father, whoever takes the son gets it all. Now that is the point of this talk and this series. He who gets the son gets everything else. Everything in life becomes easier, better, more whole when we get Jesus. Now that doesn't mean that life is always going to be straightforward <clears throat> and there's going to be no hurdles. There are loads of examples in the Bible of people who have been faithful to God, who really go through difficult, hard times. But I honestly don't know how to go through a hard time without Jesus. It reminds me of actually John chapter 6, where loads of disciples leave Jesus because they've realised that following him is actually quite hard. And Jesus asks those who remain, haven't you left too? To which Peter replies, where else would we go? Now I feel like that sometimes. Life can be hard, but where else would we go apart from Jesus? That's what Colossians chapter 1 is all about. Seeing Jesus for who he really is. The Amplified Version of the Bible titles verses 13 to 29 of Colossians as the incomparable Christ. Now I decided to look up this definition of incomparable and it's quite a word to be defined as. Jesus is defined as being without equal in quality or extent, matchless. Jesus is unmatched, unparalleled and unable to be compared and totally different. We serve an awesome God. Paul's desire is to remind the Colossian Christians of Jesus's full identity. He is reminding them of the supremacy and sufficiency of God. Paul is Jesus's official hype man. Despite how small and insignificant this church is at Colossae, Paul did not want them to be deceived about who Jesus really is. Paul is setting the record straight. Jesus is the king of creation and our total solution. Jesus is the solution for all of our problems, for our lack of purpose, for our loneliness, for our low self-esteem, for our worries, for our concerns, for our grief. It is because of what God has already done that Paul can pray with confidence for what God will do. Now, arguably, verses 15 to 20 are the most central part of Colossians chapter 1 and perhaps the entire book. Prior to these verses, Paul greets the saints, thanks God for them and prays for them. But now he shifts from introduction to the heart of the matter. Verses 15 to 20, Jesus take, Paul takes Jesus and exalts him to his proper place. It is a poem or somewhat of a hymn about who Jesus is and why we should place our faith in him. Paul states 12 reasons why Christ is superior to all things. In verses 15 to 20, Paul states that Jesus is 
the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, the one by whom all things were created, the one who is before all things, the one who held and holds all things together, the head of the body, the church, the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, the one who has preeminence, the one in whom all the fullness was pleased to dwell, the one through whom God has chosen to reconcile all things, the one who has made peace through the blood of his cross. Now, I would love to go into depth with every single one of these claims, but it just isn't possible and we probably would be here a very long time. So I've selected six of these points to focus on in this talk today. And the first is Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Now, the word translated image is the ancient Greek word icon, express, which expresses two ideas, likeness, as the image on a coin or in the reflection or the reflection in a mirror, manifestation with the sense that God is fully revealed in Jesus. Now, if Paul merely uh, meant that Jesus was similar to the Father, he would have used the ancient Greek word homoyoma, which speaks merely of a similar appearance. The stronger word used here, icon, proves that Paul knew that Jesus is God. It means that Jesus is the very stamp of God the Father. Jesus is the God that we can see. He is the exact likeness of God. Now, despite how many people say that my children look like their father, they wouldn't go as far as saying, once you've seen Jacob, you've seen Femi. Nothing we can create, nothing we can create can truly or fully represent God. However, in John 14 verse 9, Jesus says to Philip, anyone who has seen me has seen my father or has seen the father. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus truly and perfectly and morally represents and manifests God. Jesus is God. Now, God is invisible. Sometimes it can feel hard to know God. We can't see him, touch him or hear him audibly. How can I know what God is like? Look at Jesus. This helps me when I pray. When I feel like I've messed up, who am I coming to? Look at Jesus. He is the one who eats with the tax collectors and the sinners. And it helps me know that Jesus loves me. Now, when I was thinking about this, I was drawn to the Specsavers ad with the classic line, should have gone to Specsavers. Now, I love these ads because they are all, there's always some sort of cringeworthy scenario where someone makes a complete fool of themselves because they can't see properly. Maybe because I've got great vision and 2020 vision, it makes me laugh even more. Side note. But the example on the slide that I've, is of a vet who is operating on his colleague's furry hat instead of his actual patient, the furry cat. Now, when we don't see Jesus clearly, we end up doing stupid stuff like operating on furry hats or worrying about things that are, are unnecessary or hurting ourselves or hurting others. My prayer today is that we truly see Jesus and that we see Jesus clearly. Maybe not physically, 
but that we have a true revelation of the King of creation. That everything that has been blinding us and everything that has been a burden to us that we've been carrying will be lifted so we can see and experience who God is. Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. In no way does this title firstborn indicate that Jesus is less than God. Erroneously, some have taken it to mean that this means first in chronology or a birth order, as if Jesus is a created being. But that isn't what is being spoken about here. Firstborn here means that Jesus is first in quality, preeminence and rank. Paul is referring to Jesus here as supreme in power or authority, the highest rank. Jesus is simply the best, better than all the rest. Now this helps me understand that Jesus is supreme. When I pray, when you and I pray to Jesus, when we pray, we can know that our prayers are being heard by Jesus who is of the highest rank and authority. He is more than capable of meeting our needs. Jesus is our total solution, the one who is able to meet every need. Jesus is the one by whom all things were created. Verse 16 here explains verse 15 that we just spoke about. Both verses go hand in hand. Jesus is the originator of creation. The false teachers were claiming that Jesus was simply another creation of God derived from a generation of angels. Paul strongly rejects this by saying Jesus is Lord over all creation. The language here speaks of a continuous action. Jesus is continually creating. Jesus both created the world and sustains the world. Jesus is the creator of our physical and spiritual world. By him all things were created. He alone should be praised for creation. Now this verse to me answers two really existential questions, major questions that we often ask ourselves as humans. Who am I and why am I here? Now the answer to that is that we are children of God and we have been created for Jesus to serve him. This is what it means for my identity. I am created by God, unique, precious, his workmanship. So often the world things um, so often the world says things like be true to yourself or be who you are on the inside. Sometimes I'm a mess. I don't want to be who I am on the inside. But thank God that I get my identity from God's value on me. It changes everything about the way that I see myself. My identity, my sense of security, my sense of purpose is found in my identity in Christ. Jesus is the one who holds all things together. Now I've heard it being said that Jesus is the reason why we have a cosmos and not chaos. Jesus holds all things. This is a scientific fact and in church circles is sometimes linked with the protein laminin. Now you might go, how is Jesus and a protein linked together? Now, I first came across laminin when I listened to a sermon by Pastor Louis Giglio. Laminin is from a family of proteins that are an integral part of what holds us physically together, like literally holds us together. 
They are cell adhesion molecules that often hold one, that hold one cell of our bodies to the next cell. Without them, we would literally fall apart. Now, interestingly, when I looked up the shape of laminin, it is in the shape of a cross. Amazingly, right now, our bodies are being held together by literally billions of microscopic crosses. In fact, a quick internet search um, of the picture of laminins, you will see t-shirts and mouse pads and stickers, all which have like catchphrases that say, great designers often leave their mark or fingerprint of the creator. However, I do think we need to be careful about improperly, improperly looking for signs and would Colossians chapter 1 verse 17 be any less true if laminin were not in the shape of a cross? No. But what I do think is that God has created all of us with such intent and purpose. We are not simply a result of an accident, but have been mindfully, skillfully and intentionally created. What literally holds us together in a biological sense is what, clearly, is, is what was cre clearly created by he who holds us together spiritually. So for us, when we're going about in our daily lives, we can be reminded that Jesus holds me, holds us together. He holds me together spiritually. He holds me together physically. He holds us together when we're going through our most challenging and, troub and troubling moments and seasons. He puts footnotes and fingerprints all through the story. Everything Jesus is, he is in you. This is so powerful as we have a creator who is sustaining life, who sustains life and who is breathing life into us daily. There is nothing we cannot achieve and no obstacle too great because Jesus lives in us. Jesus is the head of the body, the church. Jesus is the life source and leader of the church. Anything without a head is dead. The church is often referred to as the body and reference is often made to our independence on all members of the body. However, here in verse 18, specific reference is made to Jesus as the head, highlighting total dependence on God. Jesus is to have first place, full authority and final say in everything that happens in the church. So for us as Christians, what that means is that everything we do as a church has to be done with total trust and dependence on Jesus. As Jesus is the head, he should be the one who directs and orders our plans and decisions on a daily basis. Number five, Jesus is the one who has preeminence so that we might occupy the first place in everything. There is no sphere of existence over which Jesus is not sovereign. There cannot be a division of areas where we allow God to rule and areas where we don't allow him in. We are, submit, we are to submit all of our lives, all areas of our lives to God. He reigns supreme over all. We can't be lukewarm. Now, Liam preached a wonderful message a few weeks ago about this and encouraged us to live a life marked by fire and zeal. 
And this fire and zeal and passion reminds me of, you know, when you first start dating someone and you want to know everything about each other and you ask all sorts of weird and wonderful questions. You fall asleep on the phone talking. You laugh at all of their unfunny and dry jokes. You eat what they eat. You like what they like. You wear what they wear. Or maybe I'm just an intense data. Well, Jesus wants to be involved in every aspect of our lives. He is passionate about us and he cares about our mundane. He is interested in the most deep, obscure, intimate parts of our lives, as well as the superficial and apparent aspects of our lives. So for you and I, the encouragement here is to invite Jesus into every aspect of our lives. For Jesus to be involved when we're doing the school run or the Sainsbury shop or at our jobs and with our colleagues. We are to use all of our gifts and talents to build, a fl to build flourishing lives that impact our world around us. Jesus is the one by whom God has chosen to reconcile all things by. Reconciliation is at the heart of the gospel. The word reconciliation means to renew a friendship or to restore right relationship. Paul told his church that if anyone was to be saved, they needed to be reconciled to God. It must be through Jesus. He is the only one who can renew our relationship with God. Because Paul was saved and transformed by this gospel, he became its servant. Now this is a natural response for anyone who's truly been changed and reconciled by God. Paul encourages us to serve this gospel by sharing it and enduring whatever cost that may come in spreading it. Here's a story from the 1900s that illustrates Paul's response to the gospel and how it should be ours as well. While on a three-story scaffold at a construction site one day, a building engineer tripped and fell toward the ground in what appeared to be a fatal plummet. Right below the scaffold, a labourer looked up just as the man fell, realised he was standing exactly where the engineer would land, brace himself and absorbed the full impact of the other man's fall. The impact slightly injured the engineer but severely hurt the labourer. The brutal collision fractured almost every bone in his body and after he recovered from those injuries, he was severely disabled. Years later, a reporter asked the former construction labourer how the engineer had treated him since his accident. The disabled man told the reporter, he gave me half of, what, of all he owns, including a share in his business. He is constantly concerned about my needs and never lets me want for anything. Almost every day he gives me some token of thanks or remembrance. The engineer who was saved became a servant of the man who saved him. In the same way, Paul who was saved by the gospel of reconciliation became a lifelong servant of it. Wherever he went, he preached it. He traveled to nations throughout the ancient world to tell them about what changed his life. This should be true of us as well. We are like that guy, hurtling to destruction, Jesus stepped in. Jesus took the fall. So in response, we owe him everything. 
we are implored to go and proclaim the work of the Lord to a dark and sinful world. We can't keep quiet about Jesus. Now, thus, this doesn't always mean shouting at the people in Sutton High Street, telling them that they're going to hell. But it does mean that we're not silent in our daily interactions with friends, with colleagues and strangers about Jesus. To conclude, I am reminded of the old hymn, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. When we see Jesus for who he truly is, our lives will never be the same again. Jesus is more than enough. He is all we need. The person who gets the sun gets everything else thrown in. This is why we worship. This is why we pray. This is why I've spent time unpacking a bit more about who Jesus is. But of course, it's not enough for me to do this for you. You have to meet him for yourself. I want to encourage you today to take the time this week to get to know the son better. Meditate upon what he's done for you. Soak yourself in the scriptures to understand him better. Block out distractions to listen to what he is saying to you. If we get the son, we get everything else thrown in. In fact, why don't we worship and just praise God right now for who he is? Father, I thank you that we see you clearly. Thank you that we have a deep revelation of your supremacy and authority. Thank you that we see and experience the fullness of you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this talk from the Christchurch London podcast. To hear other talks or find out more about our Sunday services, head to ChristchurchLondon.org.